I'm Lauren. And I'm Ashley. And this, guys, is Nip Tuck Pod. We are your girl chat. We say the things you want to hear, the things that you're thinking but you don't want to say out loud. And we're all about being strong, aspirational women who basically don't give a... Uh, Lauren, anyway, if you want unfiltered chat, amazing beauty and product recommendations, then look no further, guys. This is the podcast where you will get all of the girly chat. We can't start crying like it's a Friday night and we're dickless <laughs> and we're just looking into the bottom of our wine glass and saying, girl, I should have stayed with Tony. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to Vicky Patterson, The Secret 2. This week I am joined by comedian, MasterChef finalist, an all-round lovely loose woman. It is Judy Love. Woo! Woo! Oh babes, that was a roundup. do you know what I mean? I love it. A mama with stretch marks, you could have added that in there as well. <laughs> oh man, I could have kept going. Those accolades of yours, they're just fucking piling up, aren't they, babes? Oh, babes, bless you. We're trying, we're trying to do a thing out here, aren't we? That's what we're doing. <laughs> and it is lovely to see, last. Do you know what? I was I was talking to my producer this morning and I says, yeah. last time I seen Judy, she was sweating her tits off, stressed to death, carrying them plates on MasterChef, serving what up food. How did you find it? I mean, honestly, like, for me, when they came to me, I was like, yeah, I can cook. I got this, man. I'm just going to give, like, John and Greg bare pepper and butt up their backside, right, with some Jamaican food. And then I was like, I've cooked for, like, family before, yeah. 10 of us, and, you know, West Indian food is so hard. And being a mum, you know, I cook, it, I cook in bolts. My God, Vicky, when I got on the set and they started to do challenges, like, you got to understand, from a West Indian yeah. culture... We don't measure shit, okay? <laughs> Ask a black person, how do you make curry go? And they're like, dash a bit of this, dash a bit of that, dash a bit of this. Taste as you go along. So when I got in there and they were like, oh, Judy, we need the measurements of how much ingredients. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. So I had that pressure. I didn't even know the measurements and the math sides of all of that. I didn't know about grams and millimetres and all of those. I just, it was so out of my comfort zone. And then there was one day my foot was killing me. I mean, we were standing up for about 10 hours. It's a real ordeal. I'm very happy to have done it. But trust me, the edits that they've done makes it look like, oh, it's fast paced, but it's not that hard. It's hard work. Okay. (laughs) Mate, I can't agree with you enough. Like, obviously, I didn't approach it from the same angle. Like, I was a total novice, Judy. So I'd (laughs) basically never been in the kitchen before. And, like, if I had... Yeah, mate, like... I, the only time I ever cooked was when I was at uni, so it was like student chefing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Survival food, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. mate. Like, if it come out of a tin or come out of a jar, I could do it. But, like, learning to do things from scratch totally blew my mind. And I just think, honestly, nobody can understand the pressure you feel proper. when you're in there. Oh, mate. Proper, proper. And then it goes out the window. Like, when I first went, I was like, okay, you know, do little mascara, do little <laughs> eyebrow. Do you know what I mean? Try to, you know, because you're going on TV. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Vicky. You're going on TV. So it's like, you know, try and do a natural, simple, but still got my shit together. Yeah, look. Yeah. And then I saw myself on the third episode. That went out the window. The eyebrow and the sweat off. 
Okay, my hair. I saw someone in a Facebook comment, right? Mm-hmm. Some gal had put up, oh, the last time I saw Judy Love, she didn't even comb her hair. I was like, bitch, have you stood and cooked for how many people for 12 hours on national TV in a damn competition and you want to talk about my hair? I never see your hair on your profile. Don't mess me about. Don't upset me. <laughs> There's just so much more to worry about when you're in that situation. Like, I'm not a particularly vain person, but we're fucking women, Judy. We all like to look nice, right? I have yeah. never cared less about what I look like. Like, honestly, even in, the, even in the jungle, I was whacking in like a French platen mat. Doing MasterChef? No. I decided to whack me head up, let me hair up yes. on my head in like a sort of bun. And in my head, yes. I was giving off like Mulan vibes, like saviour <laughs> of China. Like I was strong and confident and didn't give a fuck. In reality, it was more like Mrs. Trunchbull. It was awful. It was awful. But you still look cute, babes. You still oh. look cute, don't you? You just too, kind Judy, but you just don't give a fuck, do you? You're too concerned about the measurements and whether something's going to burn. And God, is me you reducing at the right and, time? And the thing is, John and Greg, they come at the wrong time to ask you, what are yeah. you doing? And you're looking at them like, do I look like I know what I'm doing? I'm just trying to get to the next stage, okay? You're going to ask me this. I'm in the middle of chopping. I don't even know what this is I'm chopping. What is this called? Yeah, you're giving me instruments to use. I don't even know what these instruments are. I don't do this at home. I've got the one knife I got from my mum, and I've had it for twenty years. Don't don't piss me off. (laughs) I can't identify enough with you. Like I relate so much to the whole experience, but somehow we managed to do quite well. We did do quite well. And I, I think it's because, like, I think you're like me in the sense that we're quite determined mm. uh, people, you know. And when we put our passion into something, yeah. and when we're doing something with the passion, we just go. We just go 100% in. There's no other way um, to do it, really. I think when you're in it, you're in it. Sometimes it could be it's something bad. You've got to get out of it. Sometimes it's something good. It, you know, it's career or personal life. you just got to put that 100% passion in until you can start to, you know, float again yeah. and feel like you're catching a bit of air i think there's a saying isn't there and it's um <clears throat> hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard and well that- <laughs> girl <laughs> honestly judy i have applied it to so much of my life being from like a reality tv background and everyone having mm. kind of the preconceived notion that i'm entirely talentless which yes it's, it's fine i've had i'm not pro- saying you are but i'm agreeing <laughs> With what you're saying about reality TV, that definitely people will be like, well, what's your talent? My talent is I did something and said something on TV. You watched it. The ratings went up. Give me my damn check. That's what my talent is. <laughs> yes. Julia will be saying that next time anyone asks. Yes, like, word for word. <laughs> but that's it. And it sets you in good stead, doesn't it? Like working hard and grafting, especially on a show like that. Mm. I think John and Greg appreciate the hustle, don't they? The journey. They do appreciate the journey. I do feel like they they delve into a little bit to try and find out what your personal connection is with food. My personal connection is eat. I eat for all emotions. <laughs> I fucking love it. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So they did. They definitely. And it made me think a lot about my, you know, my mum and my, and culturally how food yeah. me, means to me. And, and, and just not even culturally, but as my culture is a working class 
woman yeah. born in Britain, but my heritage, my family are West Indian, Jamaican. So all, all of that, the way that, you know, we'd have West Indian food and on days where money was tight, we'd have certain food. And then, you know, Fridays, seeing this big Jamaican woman, but Fridays was her fish and chips, fish and chips. I was like, mum, <laughs> like fish and chips. As she got older, she, you know, she knew about a, a pie and mash. And it was just so funny seeing my mum. And her best friend, God rest her soul, going to Chinkford to get their pie and mash. Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it really made me think about the 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 mix of being British and being West Indian, Jamaican, and, mm-hmm. and how it's influenced, you know, my food. My food now, when I was younger, it was traditional of rice and peas, mm-hmm. um, roast chicken but a bit a lot more flavor yeah it's like jamaican and then mac cheese oh vegetables oh. your coleslaw Guinness punch and all of water and judy maybe a bit of fried chicken and oxtail okay. and now my sunday dinner because i'm a mix of both mm-hmm. is like yorkshire pudding <laughs> Good luck. Jerk, jerk, jerk chicken. Brilliant. Macaroni cheese and broccoli, right, and meat sauce. It, it's a it's a bag of confusion, but it tastes good. It's but it's a hybrid of both your it's cultures. Yeah, and it's you know what you're right. I take it back. It's not a confusion. It's a fusion, babes. That's it, girl. And you know what? Like it's what you like. It's what you enjoy, and they encourage you to cook that sort of way on MasterChef and. When we first got your food, like, I remember it was me, Greg, and Dom from... Greg Rutherford, who won my series, and Dom from Steph yeah. and Dom. And we yeah. had we had a couple drinks, Judy, by the time we tasted yours. So, so what, are you try, what are you trying to say, babe? Because you gave me such a good review. But what are you trying to say? Let's never have a heart-to-heart thing. What are you trying to say? Listen, a drunk mouth speaks a sober person's thoughts, Judy. So you want to... <laughs> You want to be proud, girl? I was fucking buzzing like an old fridge off your food. All of us were sitting around, like because you had you had the chickens, didn't you? You had the curry chicken, the brown stew chicken, oh. and the rice and stuff. It was so honestly us three together. We didn't agree like unanimously on anything until your food come out, and then we're like, "That's our winner right there. That's our winner ah! right there." We were buzzing, Judy. It was so good, and you could tell it was stuff you'd grown up cooking, and you were so familiar yeah. with the flavors. You just smashed it, lass. You really did. Thank you. I did it window. Yeah. Anyone else listening? John and Greg. Yeah. I did it window. <laughs> you were fucking uh, robbed. Robbed. <laughs> Well, you've heard it here live. I don't need to say it. Vicky said it. And she tastes the food, okay? <laughs> but I was so blown away, mate. And really shocked you didn't win. You excellent performance. Like, but it is a tough gig, isn't it? It is a tough gig, and I suppose coming in the semi-final with food that I love, food that is is a representation of me, food that I love to share with everybody. In, to me, I, I won. I won something. You know, I, I won by getting to that place and, and just being my authentic self. That's what we do, Vicky. Yeah. And it's just such an achievement, isn't it? When you haven't come from a place of like a professional, like cooking background or something you've mm. been really passionate about. It is a big achievement because there's a high standard on that show. Like Proper. I mean, the plate in the food business is one enough, bad enough trying to cook the food. And now you're telling me to plate it up pretty? How am I supposed to do that? When you're already stressed and your fingers are shaking and the back of your knees are mm. sweating and they want you to arrange it like, modern art and you're just thinking fuck off if i get this on this plate it's going to be a bloody miracle john (laughs) (laughs) oh my god judy 
you have mentioned before about your big family having a huge influence on you. You guys grew up in Hackney to Jamaican parents, is that right? Yes, I was born in Hackney. I was an East London girl. Um, I only lived in Hackney for, I don't even know, a few years. I did live on like Pembury Estate, which was quite known, okay? And then... um, (laughs) Moved out the ends and moved to like Wolfham Forest and, and grew up there with my mum as a single parent. My dad was around, you know, he was mm-hmm. like a jovial witness. He was around. He was like a, a a weekend dad or like once a weekend, a month dad. Not bad. He just, I was writing about this the other day because I really, I think when I got to 30, maybe a bit later than 30 after my mum passed away, I started to think about the relationship I had with my dad, I have with my dad. And you know, mm-hmm. it's not like until you're like a little bit older, you're like, okay what is this relationship yes yeah. you're my dad but if I needed something fixed it's not going to be you that I answer do yeah. it one you, one you've gone back home to Jamaica like do I actually see you as the man who will be walking me down the aisle like have I had that emotional you know relationship with you do I feel like you can protect me and not because he wasn't or isn't a good person I think there's just <laughs> Some generations, how they they parent is so much different. You know, I was writing about it the other day and I was saying that um, when I think about it, I don't ever remember like, you know, misbehaving or coming home late from school or doing something bad, bad report. And my mum says, right, that's it. I'm going to phone your dad. That was that was never a sentence. So it really made me think about the relationship. And I had to go on a journey of like forgiveness and understanding because I thought I I don't want to be at this age and feel like maybe there's some kind of underlying daddy issues and so on so he was always around you know I don't have no bad memories but he was whether he was emotionally present is something else you know I think that's you don't realize that until later so maybe sometimes you have your own parents or you're in love or you got that man around you that's made you think about it so I grew up with them in east and um just like my my mum had me at a later age, she was like forty seven, forty eight, and my dad. That's was, that's a brave move, Judy. That isn't it, babe. Like with all, that, with all with all due respect, Judy, were you planned? I wasn't planned. He was fifty three. I don't know about a brave move. That might have been a backshot move. That might have been that girl. <laughs> Just what I'm saying, right? I think my mum thought I was going through the. She was going through the menopause, and they were like, "No, girl, you're having a baby." So, you are fertile as fuck, this, all, all that Guinness punch, babes. It's all, that, <laughs> all that Guinness punch. So it was, yeah, I, I definitely don't think I was planned, but I, I definitely, you know, my mum always said to me, God rest her soul, that, you know, it was a blessing. We call it in oh, Jamaica Jesus. wash belly. In Jamaica, your last baby is your wash belly. So she was like, you're my wash belly, you're my wash belly. So, oh. you know, I took that as a, as, as a, as a blessing. There was a reason. There's a reason for everything, isn't it? So, yeah. Absolutely. Honestly, Judy. Do you know, it's so interesting when you said there, like, it's not till you get older, you look at your parents. And I think when we're growing up, we just accept what we're told Mm. and we accept the relationship that feels the most natural. So, like, your mom tells you what to do. Like, you are, you know what I mean? You're you're obedient. Like, you respect them. But they're ultimately just your your parents. Like, Mm. you're just your mom. They're just your dad. That's all you see them as. Mm. And it's only when you get older you start to, like, examine the relationship like you did sort of think oh, you see your mum as a real person mm. like as I've got older like I've started to say I was more than just me mum but actually as as a woman herself yes you're so right you never do that when you're younger you do don't. you it's just your mind dad I think going through my own life experiences breakups having kids you start to like you said Vicky 
I, I definitely started to look at my mum differently in the sense of like, wow, like who she was as a person before yeah. me, before all the kids. And sometimes you even realise your parents didn't even get to explore who they were, maybe because yeah. they had children young, maybe they went through a really like serious relationship that didn't end well and they just their focus was just about you. I do feel like nowadays, um, as as women, as people, that we have it's much more acceptable to explore who you are and focus on who you are we're not placed as much in a box um I think my parents generation I think my mum could have probably been a fantastic comedian or or comical actress Mm -hmm. but that was never something she thought about or uh, she used to make clothes as well but her aim Mm -hmm. was feed the kids make them get a good education make sure they come home and I'm there where for us now we can kind of be a bit more like okay I got this day job but actually my desire is to be in entertainment Mm -hmm. my desire is to do this whether we got kids or not like we can push past the so-called society um, narrative of the box that we're supposed to push it be in and I think that's where I, I take my um almost like I don't know if it's strength or I take my I don't even know what word to find it, but I, I, I go to that. Does it drive you? Yeah, it drives me. Because yeah. I think to myself, my mum must have sacrificed so much. Yeah. Um, and there's many women out there that probably mm. sacrifice, and men, and, and mm. non-gender, uh, gender-neutral people as well. And I think to myself, so that really, I've got a duty to, yeah. to step over these barriers mm. and just try and live as happy as I yeah. can. As, as freely as I can, as, as my authentic self. Otherwise, <laughs> what was the point of her having me at 48 and my dad think, like, I should, I need to be able to tell that story and feel great about it and, and, and do something with that. Like, I'm getting a bit fired up here and you talk, Judy, like, you're so bang on. Like, there were, we have opportunities and we have amazing things coming our way that just, our our mothers didn't have and I do feel a little bit of a bit of a responsibility to do things my way and take advantage of those opportunities like me and my mum often joke I'm 33 now and like I've had I could have been married before like I haven't been um, and I says you know what I feel like all I've missed out on is not by not getting married now is just my first divorce mm. it sounds like you're saying you knew you know that wasn't for you yeah like I do think like some women are focusing on their careers longer or holding off on having kids or like prioritizing things like travel and experience over that traditional role of being a mother really early doors and I think that's exciting and 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 to be honest with you what is wrong with that you know I'm a single mum and you know I date and things like that but I feel like you know, I I would want my children to grow up and, and get to a stage where they're comfortable in themselves and they have their partners. However, I want them to grow up and be comfortable in, in their self and have their life experiences as individuals. Exactly. Because that in itself, all those experiences gets you to a place to understand who you are. Then you can attract the yeah. right person. When I look back, Vicky, on certain relationships, I didn't even know who I was. Yeah. I didn't even know who that, I was yet. So the pe- people yeah. I was attracting was not good for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, for some people, it is to get married at a certain age or to have children or, you know, it's not that we're putting down anyone. What we're saying is it's okay to go down whatever 
avenue you want to go down, whether you want to take a break, whether you want to change careers, whether you want to have children, you know, whether even some people choosing to be single parents because they're at that stage of their life. It's okay for you to decide what you want for your life. Oh, do you know, and as women, like it's like it's 2021, we can do that. We can take a stand. We can choose to put our careers first. We can choose to be mothers. Like if all we've ever had is that burning desire to be that housewife, to be that mother, that is so okay. That's exciting. I just am so pleased we're finally in a place where we are, all, it feels like we're able to choose what we want and do what we want and have these experiences and not be judged. I think society is very aware of how powerful women are. I think society has a structure that runs hand in hand with control and fear at the same time, you know? Mm. And I think that there's been many people that might class themselves as activists or people that are just, we as individuals find inspiring. That has definitely helped to change the narrative. And now that people are understanding that, you know, women, if we focus on women, because it's me and you having a conversation, are are contented in being that pioneer in their remit, in the stuff that they want to do, you know, setting up groups, setting up meetings, being entrepreneurs, traveling by themselves, really understanding who they are. I think now society is at a place where it's like, okay, there's some, there's some, bad boss bitches out there and whether we give them the space or not they're gonna take they're the going, space they're gonna grow they're gonna, they're gonna t- grow we're not asking for it anymore we're, Judy. we're fucking taking it we're taking it back yes yeah. taking it for the team <laughs> Yes, I'm so fired up. I always do these and end up wanting to go and like start a business and burn me bra and smash shit. Like I just get so fired up whenever I talk to women like yourself. Oh, calm down, Vic. (laughs) Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It sounds to me, Judy, you are such a strong woman. You've got so, your, your views are so powerful and you can articulate yourself brilliantly. Like you've got to come from such a strong woman. Is that your mum? I'd say my mum. And if I'm honest with you, babes, I, you know, growing up, definitely there was the concentration on being a strong woman. And, you know, I always sometimes refer back to the black community or my because it's my experience so as a, a young you know 20 black woman from britain you know culturally there is a thing about being a strong black woman you know mm. and um i don't know whether that comes from just struggle or adversity or you know other parents just left their kids and come over so there's this whole narrative strong but you can get through you get through it and I went to uni and I, I did a dissertation on the myth of the strong black woman. And it it, it really ch- changed my mind on how I use the word strong, because I feel like for a lot of women, all women, um, 
sometimes the word strong can stop us from being vulnerable and stop us from yeah. getting the support that we need, you know? It's, and, it almost becomes a pride thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, like when I looked at the dissertation, if I break it down in ethnicities, for Caucasian women, if they're quite savvy in their like business, like top of the league business or doing well as entrepreneur, they're not seen as maternal. They get this stereotype yeah. of being non We get pigeonholed. Pigeonholed or being quite bitchy. If, it, if it's yeah. a black woman, she's aggressive. You know, yeah. there's a stereotype of how Asian women are supposed to be. And I think, so it really made me think about the word strong and how it's affected a lot of women, especially women in the black community, their mental health, their emotional mental health, because when things have happened, whether it's from sexual abuse, abuse, uh, domestic violence, um, you know, stuff that's going on emotionally, they're not speaking out about it because I'm it's a strong, the pressure. I'm a strong Yeah, woman. they feel. Yeah, to be resilient and stoic. Oh, and that word. Not, yeah. It can be counterproductive, right? Yes. Yeah, it can be counterproductive. And we're not, I'm not saying, like, there's anything wrong with being strong, but know that they can be hand in hand. I can say to you, yeah, today, baby, yeah, I'm feeling good. Let's do this. But I should feel okay to say to you, next week and call you and say babes I don't feel good yeah. I don't feel I'm just so tired and I'm struggling with the kids or you know if I that is being just as strong and I think that's yeah. what we need to yeah. let people know you're not weak by saying babes you know what could you come over and just I just need to sleep for an hour or you know what mm. babes could mean the kids I just I just need to talk to you about something that is being just as as that is also should be highlighted as strong, not just yeah. holding everything in. So yes, I, I, I think agree. my narrative to being strong has changed, but I accept it in the sense of, uh, you know, I can be strong for people that need me. I can, I can be strong in making a decision for me and my family as a single mum. You know, I can be strong when something, you know, adversity um, faces me but I'm, I can also be strong enough to reach out and say yeah I need help I'm tired I'm not feeling too good either and that's something that I really yeah. like to push for others as well it's it's such a beautiful point Judy like I think for years now we have assumed that in order to be considered strong and like you have to be really stoic really like really resilient like not show emotion and all the rest yeah. of it. And gradually, in particular, this last year, I think there's been a huge breakthrough mm. in the realisation that showing vulnerabilities and asking for help and speaking out about loneliness, grief, yes. loss, whatever you're struggling from, it doesn't actually make you weak. In fact, it's the polar opposite. Yeah. Being brave enough to yeah. talk about those issues, to open a really, really like powerful dialogue about stuff that is still considered taboo, that makes you strong and that makes you brave and that mm. makes you powerful. Mm -hmm. and, and and that's what, you know, that's what I think a lot of us are doing. And I think when you do that, you can then question, is this the right job that I want to do? Is this the right relationship that I'm in for me? Is this the right place where I, I want to live? You know, I've made some decisions about, you know, four or five years ago, you know, I've, as we said, I was, brought up in East London, lived in East London. And I've always come back and forth to South and I just like the green, you know, everywhere in London's got their, <laughs> not the green as in the smoke in the green. I mean like the green trees, the trees. And everywhere in anyway, London. Anyway, I believe you, know, you packed thousands right. wouldn't, but I believe everywhere, everywhere in London has their problems. But I also, I very much felt like, oh, 
I feel like this is where I want to go to. And I put my head down to move, to be able to get moved to South London. And no real family here, no real friends. I've got them now, but I I felt like this is what I want for me and my family. And it was uh, Maya Angelou, one of her books where she talks about she just grabbed her and her babies and left and put them on her hip. And I did the same thing. I took my two kids, I put them on my hip and I, I left. I was living in a flat where there was people coming in doing drugs, selling drugs, vandalism, all kind of stuff. And I, you know, I faced things where when I was complaining, no one wasn't listening to me, my voice, mm -hmm. I didn't feel like my voice was heard. And in that moment, I had to do what I had to do to be able to provide and bring a different life to my kids. And that meant getting up on my own, picking up my two babies, putting one on each hip, and coming out of there. And that was the best choice for me. And I think if I wasn't vulnerable enough to say I'm not happy, I would have never done that and I would still be there. It's just, it it is seen as a weakness and it just absolutely shouldn't be because it can motivate so much in you. Like the times in my life when I've shown my vulnerability, right, is it's just before something amazing's happened. Like mm. what, when I when I share it on Instagram, when I say like even something small, Judy, do you know what I mean? Like I'm really struggling with lockdown, or like yeah. I'm really scared about I'll miss my family. Even if it's a small stuff, like the minute you you reach out, you put that out there, you encourage this dialogue where people tell you the same things. And you know what's really it's really lovely it's that feeling when you don't feel alone, mm. when you know there's other people going through the same thing. And I know, like, since being on Loose Women, you've been sharing some of your experiences. I bet you get a lot of people reaching out and telling you they've been through similar things. Yeah, I do. I, I randomly get people message me. And, you know, my previous work was in social care. So, and I, you know, I qualified in social work and did spe specialise in mental health. So I think that, I, I love to communicate with people. I love for people to feel strong enough to speak their truth. And I get a lot of people will message me, you know, private message. When I can, it's so hard now to get back, you know. Um, yeah. And I had a show on Facebook some couple of years ago called Real Talk. And people would always send me their dilemmas. And now I've got one called Quarantine Date Night. And although it's dating... I mean, the stuff that people come up and tell me in front of, you know, thousands or message me after, it's like, it's fun and it's jokes. But at the same time, it's heartwarming that people feel safe enough with me. That's what is nice, that they feel safe enough to share this. And no matter what it is they're going to say, obviously, as long as it's not bringing harm to anyone, but they're talking about their own personal journey. Sometimes people just need that. So the fact that they can do that, we can listen and we can learn and be educated and loving and hearing what they're saying. It's a beautiful, beautiful experience. Judy, I could listen to you chat all day and honestly, I will. I definitely <laughs> will. But I'm going to I'm gonna give everyone a bit of a break. Do you, will you join me back in part two? Yeah, of course, girl. What do you mean? Well, you, better mind, you better mind it's not part three, four and five at this rate. <laughs> Oh, Vicky, pa Vicky Patterson and Judy loves the secret too. We're doing a co-host vibe today, mate. It's sticking. It's gonna stick. <laughs>